There are times when we know that our moms love us. And there are times when we know that our moms love us, although we are not currently feeling loved by them, right? That, that somehow it seems that they don't understand what's going on, or sometimes it even appears, although we know in our heads that they love us, they really do love us, sometimes it seems like, feels like they don't actually care. And you see this with small kids, you know, when they don't understand how the world around them works. And so they're running along and they trip and they fall and splat. And um, they just look at you like, how could you have let that happen? And the mom is going, "I, I, I love you. I'm holding you. I'm sorry that you got hurt, but that was all you're doing right there. That was so just you. There are other times that, um, you know, you're going through something and, and your mom just doesn't know, doesn't understand, or forgets. It's not that she doesn't love you. It's just that, that you're not feeling loved at that moment because you're struggling with this thing that is just consuming you and your mom just seems disconnected from that. And that, it's that kind of situation that we're talking about this morning in Romans chapter 8. So if you would turn with me to Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to read uh, verses 31 through 37, and then we'll be focusing in on verses 35 through 37. Romans chapter 8, starting in verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Over the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at just this section of Romans chapter 8, and it is so rich that we have slowed the thing way down so that we can just soak in the great, great text that is here. And it starts off in verse 31, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And it is this bold reminder that God is for us. And if God is for us, then what does it matter what might come against us? And when you're reading these things, I, I personally, as a pastor, love to pull this passage into uh, other sermons because you just... You just read this passage and everybody goes, wow, that was such a great sermon. And I go, I know. <laughs> I know. 
Isn't it a great reminder how wonderful God is? And you just pull this text in and there's just something about when you read through it quickly, you just go, yes, if God is for us, who can be against us? There is nothing that can stand against me and God together. But when you slow it down and say, if God is for us, who can be against us? He reminds us, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? And we get excited about that and go, yeah, if God didn't even withhold his son, how would he withhold anything from us? Of course, God loves us. Of course he does. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is too powerful for that. He's too loving for that. He's too gracious for that. There's nothing that could possibly separate me from the love of God. And while we're reading this text, sitting in those chairs all together, we go, Amen! And then we walk out of here and we experience some of the things in verse 35 and go, What is going on? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? It's just a repeat, right? Who can be against us? Who could separate us from the love of Christ? If Jesus loved us so much that he was willing to uh, suffer all of the things that he suffered on this earth, the persecution, the rejection, the insults, the physical pain, the horrible, humiliating crucifixion, if he would go through all of that for us, what could possibly separate us from the love of Christ? And in this, he is just saying something that as Christians we hang to and go, yep, that is absolutely true. And then he starts asking these questions. Shall tribulation do that? What about tribulation? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Could tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Now, I want you to, before you just quickly go, nope, stop. Can tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? How about distress or persecution? Some of these emotional things that we deal with, the the stresses of life where we just feel like, I don't know if I can get through this. It's like when your mom calls you on the phone and goes, how are you doing? I'm just really struggling. Life just seems really hard. I don't know if I can make it through that. Yeah, that's great. I was on this vacation and I had a wonderful time. It was good to chat with you. I'll talk to you later. Goodbye. What? Mom? She hung up on me. Was I not clear that I was going through something very difficult, that this is a very stressful time for me right now? She just dismissed it. It was like she didn't care. And do you know that when people get into situations like tribulation and distress, when the, the everything within you is just revolting and you're going, I just don't know how I can possibly do this because the stress is so overwhelming. I don't know how I'm going to make it through this situation. Those are the times when people are going, God, 
Aren't you supposed to care? I thought that you loved me. These are the times when people ask questions like, if God really loves me, why would he allow me to go through something like this? These are the times at which we struggle with our faith the most. Because life is hard. And it doesn't seem fair. And it doesn't seem like anybody cares. Oh yeah, they might say, oh, how are you doing? Oh yeah, okay. Maybe they even say, I'll pray for you. But what good is that going to do? Because I've already been praying and God doesn't seem to be listening. They ask me how I'm doing, but nobody comes right alongside. And even the ones who want to, who desperately seem like they really do love me and really do care, and they want to be right there for me, they don't know what to do. They don't know how to help. And I don't even know how to ask them to help, because what can I do? If I knew what the answer to the situation was, if I knew how to get through it, then I wouldn't need their help. So I just need somebody to come in here and do this for me because I can't do it myself. And in those moments, you just feel really alone because even the people who want to love you, it just doesn't seem, you don't feel loved right now by them. And at that moment, when you're so alone, you just find yourself going, God, why is this happening? And you know, he doesn't answer that question here. It's really frustrating to me, actually, when I slow way down and I start to really experience and feel the things that I should feel when I'm reading things like, shall tribulation or distress or persecution separate me from the love of Christ? And then I go, yeah, why do those things happen? Oh, it's not here. This is not a text that says, this is why bad things happen to you. This is why you have to suffer. This is why you have to go through these things. This is not about why. This is a text that reminds us that even when we are in the midst of our worst struggles, it cannot separate us from the love of God. It's not asking, why do we have to suffer? Suffer. It's just asking, Will it be able to separate you from the love of God? No. Your suffering does not negate God's great love for you. Your suffering does not negate God's great love for you. Even when you get into the next couple of things, these physical needs. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? When you have no food, you don't know where the next meal is going to come from. Is that going to separate you from the love of Christ? Or nakedness? I don't even have any clothes. Or danger? These seem like elemental things, right? These are the things that, like, that we expect from like our parents, right? Okay, I just... The bare minimum. Food, clothing, safety. 
famine, nakedness, danger. Shall these things separate us from the love of God? What if we have these great needs? God, don't you see? Don't you hear? Don't you understand that I have these great needs? I've got no food. I've got no clothes. I am not safe. Shall famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I was uh, talking with uh, John Flores. He's the one preaching at New Life Westland this morning. And we were, we were talking about that. And, and he was going, you know, I just don't know if people connect with these things. I said, oh, people connect with these things. I know we don't have war here, but that doesn't mean we don't have people here who haven't experienced war. And when you're there and when you see what's going on, you just go, how can this be? Which is why when you go and you experience that kind of turmoil and lack of safety and you come back here processing that emotionally just messes with you. And you start to ask questions like, God, how can you allow these things to happen? Why must this happen? And I want you to know that when you're struggling with these things, it's okay to cry out to God and to tell Him that you don't understand and to tell Him that you're struggling. That's okay. The very next verse, verse 36, it says, As it is written, For your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. There's a hopeful verse for you. Write that one down. This is a good one to memorize. As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. It just feels like all day long I'm dealing with death. I am about to die all day. Not just like I'm about to die, but like somebody is killing me. And that's where I'm at all day long. Uh, regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. It just sums up in one verse uh, all of the different things that were listed in the verse, verse before. But what he's doing is he's drawing from Psalm 44. And once you go back to Psalm 44 and read the whole thing, you just go, oh my goodness. This is, this is in the Bible? I mean, the, just a reassurance of hope and love. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read Psalm 44 for you. And then um, I'm, I just want to touch on the pieces. We don't have time to preach through Psalm 44 this morning. I wish I did because it's amazing. But maybe this summer we'll get to that. Oh God, we have heard with our ears. Our fathers have told us what deeds you performed in their days, in the days of old. You with your own hand drove out the nations, but them you planted. 
You afflicted the peoples, but them you set free. For not by their own sword did they win the land, nor did, they, nor did their own arms save them. But your right hand and your arm and the light of your face, for you delighted in them. You are my king, O God. Ordain salvation for Jacob. Through you we push down our foes. Through your name we tread down those who rise up against us. For not in my bow do I trust. Nor can my sword save me, but you have saved us from our foes and have put to shame those who hate us. In God we have continually boasted, and we will give thanks to your name forever. Now that's what we expect in the Psalms right there. That kind of hope. Looking back on history and going, oh wow, Lord, we remember how you saved our people, how you were for our people, how you delivered them, how you gave them the land, and they didn't win the wars, Lord. You came through and you did it for them. If they trusted in you and you delighted in them, they were your chosen people whom you loved. Lord, this was just great. And we remember all of those things, Lord, about how you were for our people. You were for our parents and our grandparents and you took care of them and protected them and they told us all the stories of your faithful love to us. Verse 9. But you have rejected us and disgraced us and have not gone out with our armies. You have made us turn back from the foe and those who hate us have gotten spoil. You have made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle. Demanding no high price for them. You have made us the taunt of our neighbors, the derision and scorn of those around us. You have made us a byword among the nations, a laughing stock among the peoples. All, the, all day long my disgrace is before me and shame has covered my face. At the sound of the taunter and the reviler, at the sight of the enemy and the avenger. God, we remember all of the stuff that our parents have told us about the things that you have done in the past because of your love for your people, and that is not my experience, God. While you were for them, delighted in them, took care of them, uplifted them, won their battles for them, you just disgraced us, handed us over. The nations are against us. Everybody's laughing at us. We're a huge disgrace. All of this has come upon us, verse 17. All of this has come upon us, even though we have not forgotten you. And we have not been false to your covenant. Our heart has not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. Yet you have broken us in the place of jackals and covered us with the shadow of death. If we had forgotten the name of our God or spread out our hands to a foreign God, would not God discover this? For he knows the secrets of the heart. Yet for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Wow. The context of that verse. The depth of struggle of the psalmist as he's praying this to God and is going, Lord, we remember all of the stories of your faithfulness and how you loved your people and took care of them, and yet we have been rejected. And if it was because of our sin that we had been rejected, if it was because we had turned away from you and we started worshiping other gods, then we would totally get it. You would be completely justified, God, in, in 
thrashing us if we had rejected you and turned away from you. But we didn't. We didn't. We've been faithful to you. We've been faithful to you and we've been faithful to your covenant and we have followed you and yet still the stuff is happening to us. And I think that when we, as Christians, are reading the the Bible, sometimes we get these rosy glasses out and and look back and look at the, the things that happened in the Bible and we go, man, God never does that kind of stuff for me. I never have any Davids running in with their their uh, stone slings to win to take out my Goliath and and defeat every. I don't see God turning back the sun so that I can win the battle today. I don't see God doing all of these things. I just feel myself in this place of struggle. But I remember all of the things that my parents have said that. God has done. I remember the things that the Bible says that God has done, the way that God has supported and loved and cared for and done all these things for His people. How come it doesn't feel like that for me? And we begin to think that somehow in the Bible, God did all of these wonderful things that He no longer does. Or that somehow... In the times of the Bible, people didn't struggle the way that we do. Or that only people who deserve to struggle do. We get it when it's the sinners. But God, what about the faithful? And what the psalmist is saying is, look, God, if we had sinned and you had done this to us, then we would get it. But that's not the case. What's going on? We know your character. We know our history. We know your love for us. And yet our experience is not that. Yet... For your sake, we are killed. Because of you, God, we are killed all the day long. It's not somebody else's fault. Let's not blame this on somebody else. God, this is your fault. We're righteous, following you, and you are not holding your end of the bargain up. Yet for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Awake! Why are you sleeping, O Lord? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For our soul is bowed down to the dust and our belly clings to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. O God, Oh God, hear our prayer as we cry out to You. Oh God, respond because we know that You love us. Your love is steadfast and faithful. Even though we're not experiencing it now, we are crying out to You. That's what is happening in that psalm and what Paul has done is he has worked 
the totality of the content of those 26 verses of Psalm 44, and he's condensed them and put them in two verses in the book of Romans to try and help us to understand that these things cannot separate us from the love of Christ. That doesn't mean even though he's condensed this package and put it small so that we can read it very quickly, that we should read it very quickly. Or that we should skip over the struggle that comes with these verses, right? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Shall any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? The quick and obvious answer is nope. But the slow down answer is even when I feel like for the sake of God, we are being killed all the day long and are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Those things cannot separate me from the love of Christ. Those things cannot. That is not to minimize them. That is not to say that it isn't hard every day that you're dealing with one of these things to wake up in the morning and face the day. That's not to say that you shouldn't struggle. Too many people want to put that burden on you and say, look, I know that you're struggling because the situation that you're in is hard, but as a Christian, you just shouldn't suffer. You shouldn't struggle. You should have hope and joy in all times, in all circumstances, in all things, always singing with a smile on your face. No, the struggle is here. This is a real struggle. But the truth has to be worked deep into our souls that it cannot separate us from the love of God. It cannot separate us from the love of Christ. No, verse 37 says, In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Yes! Not just in all these things we will survive. Not just in all these things we will make it through. Not just in all these things we will eventually overcome. But in all these things, more than, no, in all these things we are hyper-conquerors. Super-conquerors. Better than conquering. These things that we're struggling against are more than defeated. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Don't miss that last part, which is so easily skipped. Through Him who loved us. This is not on you. You are not the overcomer. 
You did not beat it. You did not defeat it. You did not win. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Sometimes I uh, am listening to Christian radio. I'm sorry, positive and encouraging radio. (laughs) We have to make a distinction there, don't we? Because sometimes positive and encouraging is not speaking the truths of Christ. Because they want you to be the overcomer. They want you to feel good about who you are and how you are doing. When the reality of it is, you can't overcome and you can't do it, you cannot win, unless you are doing it through Christ who has already loved us. He has already done it. He has already done the work. And so we overcome through Him. I just hate hearing people talking about whether or not they can or will or did beat cancer. You didn't. You can't. You won't. What does that even mean? You won! Now you're immortal? No. If not cancer, something else. Death is coming. We cannot overcome. We cannot win. Whatever the struggle is, whatever the situations are. One person is not a stronger, better kind of a person because they beat cancer versus the person who couldn't beat cancer because they were apparently too weak or not committed enough or didn't have enough knowledge or understanding or something. No, in all of these trials, in all of these tribulations, in all of these sufferings and distresses, we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. I'm reminded, even back just earlier in this chapter, in Romans 8.16, Paul is explaining to us about the role of the Holy Spirit to remind us that we are God's children. We are God's children. We're God's children. Like a mother, He loves us. Because we are His children. And the Holy Spirit is within us to remind us at all times that we are His children so that we might even cry out to Him as, as Abba, Father. And in verse 16 of Romans chapter 8, it says, The Spirit Himself bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. The suffering with Him is assumed. Christ suffered. Christ suffered. But because God did not withhold His own Son from us, will He not also along with Him give us all things? Yeah, He will. 
but also if He did not spare Christ from suffering. We can expect that along with Christ, we also will suffer with Him, just as we will also be glorified with Him. And in that way, we are more than conquerors. Because these things cannot defeat us ultimately. These things cannot separate us from the love of Christ, who has already loved us to the point of death on the cross. And so we will be raised with Him and we will be glorified with Him. And some of you today are dealing with these kinds of struggles. Some of you it's emotional struggles. Some of you it is physical struggles. Some of you it's relational struggles. And you are feeling very alone. And I want to just encourage you to cling to these verses because through Him you are more than conquerors. And some of you are not in that place this morning. And you're going, wow, this one's heavy. The pastor really laid it on thick this morning. And I just want to encourage you to hang on to these verses. Stick them in your back pocket. So that when the suffering comes and when the trials and tribulations come, you can pull them out and go, okay. When I find myself asking, why is God allowing this to happen? The question that is addressed here in this scripture is, will this separate me from the love of Christ? And while I might find the question less satisfying, I find the answer to be very satisfying. No. These things cannot pull you away from the love of Christ. They can't. They can't. Whatever you are struggling with, it cannot pull you away from the love of Christ. Because He has already loved you to the point of death on the cross. Let's pray.